This episode of The New Way We Work is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. Hi, I'm your host, Kate Davis. And Anissa Pabasari Horan. And this is Work Smarter Wednesdays, expert advice for your most challenging questions. So today on this mini episode, we have Chris Denson, who is the host of the podcast Innovation Crush. He runs his own media and consultancy company, and he's going to tell us today all about what it's like to be productive when you work for yourself. Chris, welcome to Secrets of the Most Productive People. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to tell some secrets. (laughs) Oh, yes. Tell us all of your secrets. Why don't you tell our audience a little bit about how you got to where you are today? So my journey is a little unorthodox. Um, <laughs> Join I'll, I'll the club. You, I'll, give, <laughs> I'll give you the, the abbreviated version. You know, I started off doing stand-up comedy. This was in college, and at the same time, I was earning an engineering degree. And so I worked as an engineer at Chrysler, but then uh, was also still loving stand-up. And eventually, I moved to Los Angeles to kind of pursue comedy. Um, from stand-up, got into writing, worked on a number of TV shows and, and different projects. Um, and then from writing, I got into production. And so production was, you know, major productions and then also some really small ones. And those small ones, I started trying to figure out, like, how can we make sure the, the audience sees them, <laughs> right? Because you're like, uh, I guess uh, we made this little thing, but how do we get it out there? So, you know, I was able to put on a marketing hat and... When you start to create stories and or brand experiences that extend from those stories to help cut through the clutter, for me, that just became innovation, right? What can I do that's so unique and different? And how do I pay attention to everything that's out there in a way that I can easily connect dots between, you know, a technology platform and an entertainment experience or a government institutional move to, you know, a product or service that's being rendered. And so... I ended up most recently uh, running the innovation practice for Omnicom Media Group. Uh, so out of 12,000 employees around the world, there were about 20 of us focused on what's around the corner in the near and distant future. And so it was a really unique position, a really good vantage point to see startups and technologies and cultural movements and consumer psychology like all shift over the course of time. Simultaneously, just before I started at OMD, I was also a little bit frustrated because I saw a lot of companies did not have like an innovation practice. Um, and I was seeing that it should be a part of almost every company. And so I created Innovation Crush as a way of sort of bringing stories to life of what an innovator's role is inside of an organization or just in the world. And so, um, and, and that kind of catapulted me to where I am today. And, you know, I, I left OMD a, a short while ago and sort of embarked on this journey of a hybrid talent host creator and practitioner. And so far, so good. Uh, knock on wood. So what we want to focus on is how, of course, since it's in our title, how do you stay productive when you don't have a boss to answer to, when you are the boss to answer to? Yeah, that is a, a very good question. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's funny. I, I'm, a, I'm a family guy. So, you know, I have a wife and a couple of kids. And so I think in one of the sort of anchoring principles for me is just that idea of balance. Right. Um, and not work life balance, but just life balance, you know, making sure I'm attentive in all the right places. And how can I build my schedule and calendar and productivity around the things that need my attention evenly? Right. Um, and as different 
sort of unsuspected things pop up, whether there's a last minute meeting or, oh no, I didn't know it was back to school night or whatever, <laughs> this sort of day to day sort of interruption, I guess I'll, I'll call it, um, from one side to the other kind of dictates just, you know, th- that idea of, of making sure you're uh, balanced in, in both of those instances. I think that's something that like people with with a, a job with a boss and, and certainly entrepreneurs would both struggle with. It, it's kind of universal is like, what do you do when all of the unplanned things happen, which is frequent like you you know the best laid plans and then all of these like unexpected things pop up like how do you address them and how do you calibrate your other priorities you know it's funny i, I told a friend of mine he was and he was like oh man he was just kind of a little bit stressed and i jokingly said to him i was like you know what life is nothing but a series of interrupted plans and i think that's that's what it comes down to I, you know i've learned to know that i can't get to everything that i want to get to when i want to get to it and so there's a there's a internal level of forgiveness and patience I have to have. Um, and also just, I think communication is key, right? Sort of if you're going to be a couple of minutes late or you, you need to reschedule, you know, I've been on the other side of that where someone's busy and they disappear. And I, I think that sort of empathy muscle that I go like, I, I didn't like how that felt. So I don't want to do that to someone else. So I try to communicate. I'm very humble in my communication if I can't show up and, and do something. Um, but it is sort of, you know, it's assessing a situation and, and having an improvisational skill set when those interruptions do arise. I want to go to your idea of having a level of sort of forgiveness with yourself, because I feel like that's something a lot of people struggle with, especially those who tend to be perfectionists or people pleasers, is that, you know, they get so overwhelmed, um, they find it really difficult to say no, and not only are they worried about disappointing people, they feel like if they say no, they're disappointing themselves. And I'm curious if you've ever struggled with that, and if so, what kind of process did you follow to get out of the mindset of beating yourself up if you can't do something? You know, one of the things I I try to do is always just look at the other side of it, right? If you were on the receiving end of that disappointment, like how would you react, right? A lot of times we're more forgiving to other people than we are to ourselves. And so, you know, I've had calls, meetings, money, all, all sorts of things that were rescheduled, late, missing, et cetera, et cetera. And there's a level of patience you have with other individuals. And you have to, uh, for me, I'm, I'm in this constant state of reminding myself that it's okay, right? And then there's a little bit of selfishness when I'm like, all right, if Joe missed the first two, I can miss one. And I don't, I don't recommend that as a strategy, <laughs> but, um, but I do sort of, you know, I, I think it's, it's easy for us to sort of exhibit that kind of patience to, to people outside of our, you know, that are not ourselves. Um, and so it is a constant state of reminder and also just having a sense of humility and, you know, and, and really keeping your overarching goal in mind. I, you know, a friend of mine once said to me, is like the best way to get shit done is to ask a busy person. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, I have a, a very rudimentary system by which I just keep track of things I need to do during a day or during a week. And when I know I can't get to something, if I see the day is it's coming up to four o'clock and that thing that was due or that uh, thing that I wanted to get to personally, 
I, I get ahead of it in terms of communication. So you said you have a really rudimentary system. What does that look like? Is it like literally a paper to-do list? It is a paper to-do list. <laughs> and, <laughs> Sometimes the it, simplest it, things are the best. I'm no neuroscientist, but um, there is a psychological quotient that goes along with writing things down. You know, sort of the feel of a pen or a pencil on a piece of paper just makes it stick a little bit more than tapping it into a screen. And so, I mean, you guys know I, I host an interview series called Innovation Crush. I also do a lot of innovation work with brands and startups and government organizations and arts institutions. So my mind mode at, at any given point of the day switches, right? Because, uh, you know, before I was chatting with you guys, I was talking to um, a fintech company and this is because there's an event coming up during the UN General Assembly. And, you know, later on, there's a chat about Art Basel. And so... In order for me to stay focused in those various conversations, I could easily go, oh, I forgot to send that email and just be off on a different track. Um, but I feel like if I have these things right in front of me and if some, that one thing pops into my head, I just immediately jot it down. And that way I don't have to have this knee jerk reaction and go off into some uncharted territory that takes me away from the task at hand. And then that loses its own proficiency. So um, it's just that visual reminder plus the sort of physiological connection to the paper. And, you know, I, I like most of us, I have too many tabs open on my computer, <laughs> right? Um, I don't remember where I put things in my notes on my phone. So, yeah, this is something I can thumb through and literally just pick up and look at it and go, oh, right, got it. And, and keep it moving. So speaking of focus, I'm interested, do you work from home? Do you have an office? And how do you deal with focus and distractions? Because I know a lot of times when people work for themselves or work remotely, it's so easy, it's even easier to maybe get pulled in other directions, or especially if you're in your home environment to, to look around your, your house or if your family is there and, and like get pulled in another direction and not stay focused on, on your work. I, you know, I suck at working from home. Just and it's not it's it's just I, and it's not so much that there's distractions there. It's just I don't know. There's something about the environment where I need like a little bit of a different energy. You know, I think kind of just going back to what I was saying about switching modes a lot. Like I feel like I just need a different sort of stimuli, whether that's a location or a place. Um, I work, you know, for, for Innovation Crush, we had a uh, partnership with WeWork for a very long time, and so I worked out of WeWorks for a while. Which is good because, you know, or the Soho House, which is another space I like, um, because I think you, I try to allow for, I don't call them interruptions, but more so planned serendipity. Like I know I'll run into somebody at some point in time or something will pop up where I'm like, oh, hey. And, and suddenly, um, again, just kind of off in another direction, either conversationally or work-wise. But I think, you know, I've also learned to embrace the breaks. Right. The idea of you're sitting down and typing away for 90 minutes or two hours or whatever. Um, and then you have a force interruption. You're actually getting up, moving around, switching your mind mode for a second. So, you know, I think you have to look at the distractions as almost a benefit. Right. Um, I, I talk about that. I wrote a book last year and I talk about this idea of changing the way you look at things and the things you look at will begin to change. And for me, it's just like the things I go, ah, why are you calling me now? Right. <laughs> it's like, OK, maybe it is time for me to take a break. And and that's OK. Um, and then there's sometimes you just go into complete shutdown mode. Right. Um, sometimes I'll leave my phone behind or turn it off or put it face down and just make sure I don't pay attention to it. You know, or, or just just trying to trying to build 
a system around my own personality quirks is kind of, you know, the, the trick. There's no universal thing, but there are some universal principles. But then, you know, the way an individual works or how their mind works or, you know, what distracts their creative spirit during the day, it shifts. So, you know, or it shifts from person to person. And it's really like a, a very personal thing. We will hear more from this conversation with Chris Denson after a quick break. This episode of The New Way We Work is brought to you by Verizon, the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com. What are your thoughts, you know, since you mentioned planned serendipity, um, I'm curious what your thoughts are on building time for interruptions, because that's something that I've seen, I know I've seen people do as well, is they, you know, they know that there's going to be a certain amount of um, hours or minutes of the day where unplanned things come up and they kind of just leave it blank. So either to deal with any interruptions or to keep going for whatever work they're finishing. It's like a flow over type thing. And I wonder if that's something that you do and what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I, I do to an extent. There's, I mean, in one instance, I get up super early, right? I'm usually up by four, between somewhere between 4.30 and 5.30. And that gives me a couple of hours of uninterrupted time before breakfast gets made and lunches are made and school drop-offs happen and all that stuff. So, and no one's doing anything at that point in time. So those last few things I may need to get to, I get to then. Again, kind of reverse engineering it to my own personality. I, my energy tanks at about seven. <laughs> so I'll, you know, I'm, I'm usually like, I'm ready for bed by nine, nine thirty. Um, and so I know I'm not a, I'm not a night owl, right? So I find my own system, but as far as like planning for the interruptions, there was a period of time where I would keep like a window of time. Like, let's say I'm making this up, but like Thursdays from nine to one, like I just wouldn't schedule any meetings or calls or whatever, you know, if leading up to that time, if there's something that's opportunistic that pops up, I'm like, Hey, what are you doing Thursday between nine and one? Right. And so leaving that one window where I don't proactively schedule things. Um, and I can, I leave a little more of like a response space in my, in my, in my schedule. Um, and I do that to an extent, like I know for now it's kind of shifted to Fridays. Fridays are a little bit lighter for me. So, you know, I know that that's a point in time where I can go like, all right, here's uh, this opportunity popped up or I met this individual. Hey, and it seems like there's an interesting opportunity to, to collaborate or do something together. And so just leaving a, a hole in the calendar um, seems to, to help for me. Yeah, that's a really good practice. Um, and I know that it's something that a lot of people say benefits them, but it seems to be difficult to do in practice. I'm curious, you know, as an entrepreneur, obviously every single task that you do with regards to your business affects you personally, whereas when you work for a company, yes, it might kind of affect your performance and your salary, but ultimately you kind of, you're kind of detached from the outcome if you don't have a uh, financial interest in the company. Um, and often it's not your money that you're kind of dealing with. And can you tell me how you find prioritizing what task you have to do when you're an entrepreneur versus when you're an employee? And I'm curious if you found it easier or harder, because I've heard both. And I can I can say both, right? <laughs> I think, and that's, uh, the, I mean, as you were formulating the question, I'm like, it's just a daily emotional roller coaster, right? And so, so... How, how do I maintain my own sense of peace and, you know, ease or uh, even levels of, of emotionality in a day? Um, and then, you know, I think it's looking at your bottom line, like what are, 
You know, what are things that are just sound interesting to do? And what are things that are actually valuable to the bottom line of your business and your brand? Right. You know, I think every entrepreneur faces a myriad of choices every day. And so, you know, um, there's an event I'm going to speak at and the, like, and the more I'm getting into it, the more I'm like, ah, this, I probably should have said no to this. Right. And it's, it's a really cool opportunity, but you know, it's, it's just one of those things where it, it's a learning exercise. Right. And so I'm also the kind of person that's like, all right, well, here we are. Right. So, so you, you deal with it as such, but it is sort of like, whether it's the financial is your sort of motivating driver for the day. And you want to make sure like the people on your team are fed and paid and, and all those things, um, versus what's a vanity play. There's something that's valuable to your personal brand, um, versus something that is just a acute distraction that you can kind of do away with. So it is, you know, assessing those things. Like what are those, you know, and I don't, I don't do this, but I, maybe now that we're talking, I might is just keeping that checklist of things. So when an opportunity comes up, what are those four or five things that, you know, criteria that it needs to meet? And if it doesn't meet that criteria, then you, you know, you kindly say no. And of course you're going to not get it right every time. And that's okay too. I mean, the the history books are filled with missed opportunities and they're also filled with like amazing ones that were captured. So, um, you know, you can't get to, you you also just that level of forgiveness of like, I may make the wrong decision today, but you know, based on where I am and based on what I'm looking at in the future and based on a little bit of history, I'm making the best decision possible right now. I'm totally going to use it. Productivity hack. <laughs> is this worth my time? My yeah. money? Is this just for What's my vanity? Checklist? Yes. <laughs> so I think um, our last question should be about um, taking time off because I think that's something that, um, especially working for yourself and being being your own boss, can be really difficult. I know entrepreneurs log more hours than you know your average um, nine to five employee. How do you feel and how do you view like taking vacation, unplugging on the weekends? Like, are do you feel like you have a good balance with that? And kind of how do you um, calculate that in your mind? You know, I love taking breaks. <laughs> you know, I, and I think I think you you sort of have to. It's it's the only time you know you can clear the clutter. You know, and not necessarily like on your desk, but in your head. Right. And um, in your head and, and, and probably a little bit of emotional clutter as well, you know, um, from an entrepreneurial standpoint or just from a life standpoint. So, you know, you have to fight to fight for that space. I'm in the middle of a project now and there was a bunch of emails going around over the weekend and I was I wanted to respond. And I'm like, I need to protect my weekend. Like I just, it's it, you know, and I sent in a message early this morning and I go, Hey, I saw the emails come through. Just wanted to let you know I saw them. Um, I, you know, you expect a response from me within the you know the next couple of hours. And you know, I had to assess whether it was a real sense of urgency. You know, so a lot of times the people that you work with, their sense of urgency may not. Nec- you don't have to have their same sense of urgency. I used to tell that to teams I manage, right? It's, you know, it's just like don't don't absorb the emotionality of someone else's sense of urgency. Like, make a logical assessment of whatever that thing that's popped up. And it happens all the time. You're on vacation and, you know, oh, there's a meeting happening. You should call in or don't forget to send that report or do that thing. Um, You know, it's really you have to fight for that space that is just yours. 
and that's the that's the harder part. But just knowing that there's an upside to that, and that may not necessarily be apparent in the light of missing the task or the opportunity or you know the conversation. But I, in my experience, it's paid off on the other side in a in, in massive ways. That's great tip to not take on somebody else's sense of urgency. Yeah. I think I think that's really easy to do and and really important to avoid. So thank you for that. <laughs> well, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today. All right, thank you. So that's it for this mini episode of Work Smarter Wednesdays. We'll be back next week with a full episode of Secrets of the Most Productive People. In the meantime, if you have any questions for us, let us know with a voicemail at 201-371-FAST. That's 201-371-3278. And we will find an expert to answer your question. Or you can tweet us with the hashtag FCMostProductive. If this episode was helpful, please let us know. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And you can follow Fast Company on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Secrets of the Most Productive People is produced by Danielle Roth.